Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Griffin, a writer for Windy City Grinner, and I'm joined, as always, by EJ Snyder. EJ, Bears are coming off the bye. We're coming off a bye week. I'm feeling rested. How about yourself? I, I don't know that I'll go for rested. I enjoyed the bye. I'll put it that way. Uh, better than if we had worked through it. So it was good to take a week off, come back fresh. I'm feeling all right. We're ready to get back into it. Yeah, I'm I mean, I'm feeling good. I think that we now have a amazing guest to kick off the second half. And so why don't you introduce our great guest? Yeah, absolutely. So couldn't be happier leading into Ravens week to bring on Lindsay. OK, Lindsay's a national NFL analyst, QB whisperer, number one Joe Flacco fan. We'll talk about that in a bit and a great source of Ravens news. So, Lindsay, how are you doing and what are you drinking tonight? I am doing good. I'm having a nice white wine. It's actually from South Africa. So cool. I'm not sure of exactly what the name of it is. I forget, but it's a Sauvignon Blanc and it's from South Africa and it's pretty delicious. Sounds delicious. (laughs) And I just, for the people that are watching us on YouTube, and if you're not, we're on YouTube, you can go watch this recording. Uh, You also have the cutest dog that. Yeah, I'll try to. He's like biting me. He's like four months old. So he's like. You know, so like nippy, and he actually bit me earlier. But this is Reggie. He is a Pomeranian. Reggie's <laughs> going to be the absolute star. We should just quit now. Yeah. Just just put another 20 minutes of a still picture of Reggie up, and this would be our <laughs> highest rated podcast ever. He's very busy. Normally, it's like uh, now's around the time when he starts to like settle down, but he also gets like very wild. Like you can tell he's tired right now because he's like. <laughs> We'll ask him his thoughts on uh, Rashad Bateman later okay. and, and see see what he thinks. Uh, EJ, what do you got in uh, drinking tonight? Uh, I went on a little road trip this weekend, so took me up north in Washington and grabbed something from San Juan Island Brewing. Uh, and this is their, they have lots of good uh, brews, but this is their Hellas Lager. Um, so nice light lager style, which is, you know, not super fitting with it getting cold in winter but five percent by volume um san juan does a great job with all their offerings i'm looking forward i haven't had their hellas um so but everything else i've had from them has been really well put together so i've got that what do you have all right so i'm bringing on a bourbon this is uh jefferson's ocean age at sea i have not had this yet it's a new bottle to me now jefferson's is made in louisville my wife is in Louisville this week, and oh. Lamar Jackson went to college in Louisville. Look there we go. We're bringing it around. That tie-in. Plus, that tie-in's good. The uh, ocean piece of this, there's a lot of uh, port history with Baltimore. We're going to get into that a little bit on the speed round. So I thought this one uh, made a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. So we'll, we'll see how this works. Yeah, it's funny that I, you're going to have to tell me how it is because the last time uh, Brett and I rated Total Wine and Beer – uh, we saw that and we were like, gimmick or real thing? Like bourbon aged on a ship. Should we do this? It's definitely we didn't. Gimmick, but Yeah, we yeah. didn't pull the trigger, but you're going to have to tell me if it's good or not. But that's fantastic. Just if you guys want to ever buy us a drink, head on over to our Patreon page. Check us out there. Lindsay OK also has a Patreon page. Uh, and so if you wanted mm-hmm. to support her, you can check out that. Uh, you know, maybe we can have a two for the price of one uh, special or something like that to, to get introduced, but uh, head on over there, buy us, buy us a beer. I saw that your uh, Patreon levels are also buying beer levels. So you fit in really well uh, <laughs> with this show. Basically makes you a ringer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You were born to do this show. You just didn't know that. So, so let's, let's start with Ravens. 
I watched that Thursday night game. Brian Flores of the Dolphins clearly found something on film that worked, and he hit zero coverage against Lamar and the Ravens offense and just like hit the spam button the entire night. So did the Dolphins expose Lamar and Greg Roman's offense here, or was this just a, a blip coming off of a really long Sunday overtime game uh, the few days before that? Um, I think it's a combination of the two, to be honest with you. Um, I, I hate the narrative that like teams figure out Lamar or they figure out Pat Mahomes they figure out Justin Herbert like we hear it with everybody this year once you know somebody finally finds a way to put some pressure on one of the star guys and it's just any given week there's a new like star player any given week there's a new like MVP front runner you know so it's um I just feel like that's something that people like to say whereas I've always said like defenses get paid too, you know, like defensive coordinators get paid too. And like when you have somebody like Lamar Jackson on your schedule, you're circling that date on your calendar and you're studying him and studying that offense to figure out a way to stop him. So I feel like that's kind of what, and Brian Flores is great at that. Um, he's, you know, he doesn't have the best team and I'm not going to get into that right now. Dolphins fans, please don't hate on me for saying that, but um it's true, you know, but he's a great, he's a great game planner. He's a great um, person as far as that aspect of the game to kind of play to not play, not exactly play to like his team's strengths, but to play to the other team's weaknesses is how I like to say about Brian Flores. So, um, but then again, I also think, um, I mean, the Ravens have weaknesses and they've had weaknesses all season. I just feel like they've got they've got a little bit lucky this season, to be honest with you, with the Justin Tucker field goal and all that, you know. Um, but I mean, it's up it's up to these teams to kind of like expose that weakness because the weaknesses that they have, like the winning that they have been doing lately um, has been like masking those, I guess, weaknesses. So, yeah, Flores comes from that bill belichick tree um where you know they'll they'll throw whatever at they'll be multiple they'll throw whatever at you and if they they see something that they can spam they'll spam so certainly uh, flores is one of those guys ej did you see anything in that game that kind of surprised you Uh, the pure number of zero um i have not seen they ran zero something like 40 times i think it was 41 uh they lined up in zero that's a lot We saw that from the Dolphins, not in terms of numbers, but we saw creative zero and use of more zero and different zero pressures out of the Dolphins. In the middle of last year, Flores and his staff started to mess around with it, and they didn't run anywhere near that many, but you started to see there's a three-week period. It was about week six to week nine last year where Dolphins lined up in zero and just came off and blasted people, and they didn't really have answers, and they kind of... They, they came back down off that cliff, and they still used it throughout the season, but it wasn't a burst, and we haven't seen anything. I've never seen anything ever like the other night where a team lines up in zero, 41 deep snaps. That's unheard of. And, the, you know, the Ravens didn't largely have an answer for that. It it blunted their attack, and, and credit to Flores and his staff, and the players too. Javon Holland had a great game. So a lot of really good individual performances. But, um, yeah. 
pretty unique if you if you like film if you like x's nose especially if you like defense go check that game out because it's uh it's an outlier to say the least yeah definitely so we talked about greg roman mentioned the offensive coordinator of the ravens he's been a hot name for a lot of bears fans that are starting to look at the potential head coaching candidates out there a lot of bears fans have already fired matt nagy that has not happened yet but i wanted to get your take on greg roman what do you think of his prospects as a head coach? What are the pros and cons that you've seen of what he's done with this Baltimore offense since he's been there? Um, the thing with Greg Roman is, and it's funny that you mentioned how like your like Bears fans have already fired Matt Nagy because after last week, a lot of Ravens fans also fired Greg Roman in their heads. So, oh. <laughs> um, you know, and that happens like whenever the Ravens have a game like that, um, literally you can set your watch to it. It will happen. Um, and it's like it, it people will still be talking about it up until the next game is played. Um, so I see the thing with Greg Roman is and the Ravens is he it was built he, or he was brought in by John Harbaugh specifically for the type of offense that is being run in Baltimore right now. He is brought here for Lamar Jackson. He has the sort of offensive mind that that needs Lamar Jackson in it and I actually hadn't thought about him being a um a head coaching candidate for the Bears but it makes perfect sense because um Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields have a similar skill set so that really does make sense to me I didn't even think about it before so thank you for bringing that to my attention but it really does make sense to me um the only problem is with him getting a potential head coaching job is it, it, for Baltimore, the question would be, what what are you going to do with Lamar now? Can you find somebody to, you know, mirror what Greg Roman's doing now? Interesting. Do you think that Roman is kind of unique in what he was able to do with Lamar, like just to build this like incredible running offense? And and I think that the Lamar not being a good passer is like cl- clearly wrong. He struggles every once in a while, like every quarterback does, but. I, I think that he what are you doing? <laughs> Jump you in, said, EJ. You said Lamar isn't a good passer. I know you don't believe it, but I, yeah, we've been trouncing that narrative for a long time. I've been trouncing it since he was at Louisville. I do a lot of draft analysis and I have been fighting this battle, carrying this sword for the whole time. And I really feel like we've tipped over a point. I feel like that happened a long time ago. You know, the guy was an MVP. But I feel like at this point, like every narrative is exhausted. Every Mm. excuse is exhausted unless you want to pull out the Holy Grail, which is, well, and won a Super Bowl. Like, yeah, and a lot of quarterbacks haven't. So let's not play that game. But the, you know, he'll never lead his team from behind. He's never going to whatever lead. Like every narrative has been smashed now, each one. And he's thrashing records we just did a spot on bootleg two weeks ago about all the records that he has broken or eclipsed just within like the last three weeks and it's insane it's obscene and when people say they don't like lamar jackson at this point i'm just done with it and i just say just say you don't like lamar jackson don't say he's not good or can't do something just say I don't like Lamar Jackson and that's fine. I have players who are very skilled in the NFL who I don't particularly like. And I will just say, yeah, super skilled. Don't really like them. That's fine. But all the narratives I feel like we're just done and we're not going to give any of those air anymore because they're all just foolishness at this point. 
That's fair. I mean, I didn't. I don't think that. I like Lamar I know, a lot. I know and, you and, don't. And, and I think that he, he's got a lot of skill. I guess my, my question to Lindsay was if Greg Roman does leave for a head coaching position or Baltimore fans get their wish and they, he gets fired after, because the Ravens lose a couple games in a row or something, like who do you see coming in? Do you think that Roman was a unique skill set to, to, to work with Lamar? Or do you see another type of coach being able to come in and get a lot out of Lamar? Um, I think I don't have any names off the top of my head, but I'm, I think if they find the right person, I feel like a couple years ago, maybe the answer would be no, but I think, yeah, I think Lamar's kind of proved himself to be able to, you know, call his own shots a little bit. He doesn't need kind of, you know, Greg Roman holding his hand the whole time. Um, the thing about the Ravens is it's, it's so unique. You have John Harbaugh, who's a very unique coach. Um, and then Greg Roman's tailored to that offense. You have Lamar Jackson, who is the most unique quarterback in the NFL at this point. Um, and then he has like a lot of people wanted to make the Lamar has no weapons argument or whatever, but he has a great surrounding cast around him. I mean, I guess the argument this year is that his running game is kind of weak because JK Dobbins went out um, in training camp and everything. But um, when everybody's healthy, like that offense is so unique that all the pieces have to fall into place for it to work. Um, so that being said, I, I'm kind of skeptical getting rid of, getting rid of Greg Roman, but I also feel like, you know, Lamar Jackson's kind of made those steps to where he can potentially, you know, be the one who calls the shots. Whereas I feel like Greg Roman calls them now. Yeah. Okay. So you, you mentioned it. Good segue into the next question. Ravens have lost, I have in my notes, 38 running backs. I'm not sure if that's the accurate number um, to injury either in the preseason or early in the year. It's a crazy number of, of torn ACLs and just injuries that took your running back room and just decimated it. They just released uh, Le'Veon Bell. They signed like every good running back from five years ago that was like on the streets and bell had like 83 yards and two touchdowns over his time there, but they released him. So obviously they have to feel pretty comfortable with what they have. If they are releasing a big name like Le'Veon bell. So has this backfield stabilized and what does it look like? What's the pecking order? Um, so this is a hard question because it literally changes every week. Um, I was surprised when they, when they released Le'Veon bell, um, it's weird to me because none of the like Latavius Murray, Devonte Freeman, Le- Le'Veon Bell, neither none of them to me are better than any one of them. They're all kind of just like lateral moves, and they were just kind of being switched in and out, you know, every week. So um, I guess they just felt like they had to pick somebody at this point in the season. Um, you know, I mean, we're coming down the home stretch. It's like November. This is like the time when you're supposed to play. NFL football in November. So um, I don't know. It kind of brought a question in my mind is, you know, I hate to think this, but like maybe he did something we don't know. Like that's how much of a mm. surprise it was for me. It was okay. just, I didn't really expect it. Um, the thing with Le'Veon Bell though, he didn't really like, I don't want, I hate saying like running backs look slow because you know, they have such a short shelf life in the NFL, but um, he just had, he didn't really have any like burst off his runs. Um, like, I think we saw a lot of that from like Devonte Freeman in the, the most recent weeks. And maybe that was kind of the decision there. Um, if they had to pick between one of the two of them, I feel like Latavius Murray also getting healthier could have been the, um, 
he was dealing with an injury a couple weeks ago, but I feel like that could have been maybe like the deciding factor too. Maybe once he gets better, you know, you kind of have to let go of somebody. Well, and the style that Bell has that he's famous for is as a really patient runner, whereas Freeman's got more of that burst. And definitely Freeman did look like he had that burst. I don't know if you saw the same thing, EJ, but it looked like Freeman was showing more of a burst. And maybe that's a little bit more of what Baltimore is looking for with you know, Lamar, because Lamar's so fast, you know, that quick hitting running game, maybe that's what they're more comfortable with in, in terms of running their backs. And Bell at this point is somebody that uh, largely, if you're looking at production, he hasn't had great production in three and a half, four, um, just about four years. And he's gone to three different places now, and he's looked somewhat similar in most of them. He you know, he didn't look that great in Kansas City. Uh, certainly not the Le'Veon Bell of old that every most NFL fans, when they hear his name, think of the hard charging days in Pittsburgh. Those are long gone. He doesn't have that anymore. doesn't mean he can't play. It just means he's not going to bring that to your offense. Devonta Freeman, especially last week, I was a bit surprised by showed more pop. Um, his first week in the offense look, you know, you again, you came in off the street don't know your blockers. That's a big deal with running backs, but he didn't look decisive and he certainly didn't show any explosiveness last week. There was some pop, especially between the tackles. He got into those holes very quickly, hit him hard, continued to move his legs. So looked a little bit more like Devonta Freeman of old. And I'm with Lindsay that they may have just said "Mm, right now he's delivering more in that role than Le'Veon is. Maybe Latavius Murray's healthy enough that we feel safe, that we don't need three layers of depth. Le'Veon's not really bringing us anything. It's not a big loss to let him go. Okay. I'm excited about this question. We can bring Reggie back in here if we need to. But we have something up. Hold on. (laughs) We have to talk about Rashad Bateman. So I want you to start at the beginning. I want you to end at the end. And I want you to leave nothing out in between because this was one of our top 2021 draft crushes. Okay. Um I feel like the jury's a little still a little bit out on Rashad Bateman. Um, I, obviously, the the big question for me, at least, was um, can he get that, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? That, come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for that, um, that relationship, that mm, um, connection with Lamar. Connection, that's it. I was about to say correlation, and I was like, that's not right. Um, but that connection with Lamar Jackson, you know, they need to have that, um, that going for them. And the problem was in training camp was that uh, Rashad Bateman was injured in OTAs. He sat out most of training camp and then Lamar had COVID for half of training camp. So it was like, are they going to get that connection at all? And then Rashad ended up, you know, getting injured again and missing like a big chunk, the first big chunk of the season. So it was kind of like when they took him off IR, you know, they're kind of throwing him to the wolves. So I didn't honestly expect much from him. So um, it's kind of a weird question just because not, not against you guys, but like for (laughs) me, when I'm like thinking through it um, is if he were healthy all year, I would have expected more, but based on the, you know, the injuries and the training camp fiasco and all that stuff, like I'm, I'm impressed by him. Um, but I, I still feel like there's a little bit more that I want to see. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. And I think you're going to get to see it and we're all going to get to see it, which is the exciting part. Everybody's been chomping at the bit. Talented rookie taken high. 
heavy need for the team. The team definitely lacked that sort of 1A alpha wide receiver. Hollywood was not that. He's definitely more suited as a two, even as a speed slot. And he's thriving, right? It's one of those things where you add a piece and it lets the other pieces move back to the correct places and you get more out of all of them. So you get an improvement across the board. But Bateman has those skills. We certainly saw them displayed in college um, at a high level does have to stay healthy, does have to stay on the field, but did start with a bang, came out in first week. All his catches pretty much were for first downs, which is right on brand for him. So I think Ravens fans, as they get to see him on the field and that relationship with Lamar does develop his familiarity with the offense, which is something every college rookie coming into the NFL sort of has to adjust to speed and and just complexity. Um, as he sort of rounds into form, which – was delayed you know the failure to launch was largely injury based i think ravens fans are going to love bateman because he does fit a need he he is that guy he can live up to the billing just what you said like he impressed me i think he'll continue to impress um i don't think ravens fans are going to be disappointed so long as he can stay on the field which wasn't something he really struggled with in college sometimes it happens you come to the pros you're trying to impress go a little bit too hard um hamstrings can be one of those things that linger when he gets fully healthy, I think he is a lock to eventually be a fan favorite for Baltimore because he plays with that mentality. I think he really matches the city and the team, um, and he fills such a huge need for them. Yeah, the thing with Ravens and first-round wide receivers is their, you know, <laughs> their track record's not that great. So when they took a wide receiver, I was like, you guys have got to be kidding me. Like, no way. <laughs> I was, and his name sounded similar to Brashad Perriman. And I'm like, oh, okay. oh my God, you, yeah. like, whoops. Yeah. So, like, base, just based upon that, I was like, okay, the bar is so low. The bar is on the floor. Right. Yeah. So. Well, <laughs> yeah, he might up not liking that. him. Feel free to trade him to Chicago <laughs> because right. we want and we like him a lot. And that's fine. EJ gets me excited about certain draft prospects through, through the process. And then I get excited. And then when they don't let win and the Bears, I, I try to follow them throughout the league because EJ's the draft Nick. But one more serious question, then we'll get to the speed round. Ravens defense. I, I just asked four questions about the offense. Ravens defense. I mean, they've been okay-ish, right? Like, I mean, they're they're not a train wreck, but they're not good. They're not the typical Ravens defense that we're used to seeing. So what's the story there for what's normally a pretty good unit? I don't know. <laughs> honestly. And like you said, like we're used to having that, like that Ravens defense, you know, like that Terrell Suggs, you know, that Ray Lewis, that Ed Reed, like that, that defense, there's always somebody that the opposing teams are scared of, like as, as far as Ravens defenders go, there isn't anybody on this team that people are scared of. Um, I would have said like Marlon Humphrey maybe yeah, was like their best player, but even he has been terrible these past couple weeks. So it's like, I mean, terrible is kind of a harsh word, but terrible for him. You know, right. he was supposed to be like one of the top corners in the league and he is not playing. I mean, he had a, he's had a terrible two weeks. I mean, just not, not close to what he should be playing. So um, I think that's, I'm not going to go like the leadership route because I feel like there are plenty of leaders in there, but something's missing and um i don't know if they need to get like some sort of playmaker that like you know i mean they have barely any pass rush like they had um who's like cj mosley like people were scared of him a little bit they traded zadarius smith to the packers like those guys and they didn't replace them and i feel like that's kind of you know their downfall along with you know not really having 
a big guy in the secondary. I mean, Jimmy Smith can't stay healthy. Um, and then, like I said, Marlon Humphrey hasn't been playing up to the way he should. And there's, um, there's no like real safety threat there either. It's just like, I don't want to say it's a mess, but it's kind of a mess. So um, I just, I don't know. I don't know what the, what the, what the deal is. So I think um, they, they've got to do something, especially if they plan on, um, making a run in the playoffs against like Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, those guys, they need to pick it up somehow, or they're just going to, you know, fall flat. It's a no name defense in a bad way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Marlon's a guy I would have picked out as well. Um, definitely one of the top 10 corners in previous seasons. He's struggled. Corners are going to tend to struggle when the pass rush doesn't come around as bears fans. We understand that very well. Uh, we had a great pass rush for the first oh three or four weeks of the season. It protected what is a terribly undermanned secondary. And then the pass rush faltered. And, oh, hey, those guys in the secondary are still not that great. Um, and you started to see that. So you, uh, you'll you probably get familiar with some of their names because you'll see the back of their jersey running behind those Ravens wide receivers. <laughs> you see times. 22 a lot. <laughs> er. So, yeah, they do go together. And it's, you know, the Ravens have a collection of talent some which hasn't developed the way they want to. Justin Matabuke is playing better, but again, not hasn't ascended to that sort of threat role. Calais Campbell isn't what he once was, still very savvy and and takes a lot of downs and, and makes the occasional impact play, but he's not that guy that um, offensive coordinators are really accounting for with a double team every play. So, yeah, I understand what you mean. It's sort of lacking that that threat or those threats. That's the thing about the Ravens is they've had multiples in the past. It hasn't just been one guy Mm -hmm. and guys like Patrick queen are, you know, contributing, but again, not at the level that Ravens fans expect a defense, which, you know, you said the bar is very low before bars for Ravens defense is very high. And, you know, that's because the defenses have been great for a long time. And I don't use that word lightly. And now it's average to slightly below average. And everybody's like, what what is this how do people deal with this um so i get it let's move on to the speed round Lindsay. so this is a little bit more fun we've been trying this this year and uh we've been having some fun conversations with it but the first one i'm really interested to see as a ravens fan you can ask answer this on your own or you can answer this as you know what you believe the fan base believes but i want you to rank the rivals so obviously the division rivals, the Browns, the Steelers, and the Bengals, but I also want you to put the Colts in there because I know that that is a rivalry for you guys. So where do you rank those four teams? Are we talking about this year or like overall? Like just like as a fan, the team that you like, you know what, if we just beat this one team, then I'll feel okay. good. Like, you know, that kind of rivalry ranking. Okay. Steelers number one for me. I don't hate any team in the NFL. I hate the Steelers. <laughs> Um, they're always going to be number, number one for me. Um, then I will put, then I'll put the Colts. Okay. I'm bitter about the Peyton Manning years. Oh, okay. They they just, yeah, they were, they were awful. Um, then I'm going to put the Browns and then I'm going to put the Bengals. Yep. Nice. The Bengals are never really like a threat, but they kind of, I mean, now they are, I guess. <laughs> in the past, like they never, you know, never really were, but they always seem to have like the Ravens number. Like AJ Green was like the Raven killer. Um, and then the Browns just, they're always, 
I put them there because like in the past it, it was always like, oh, we have the Browns on our schedule. Like there's a, that, that's a bye week, you know, in the past, but now it's like, now they're completely different teams. So that's why I'm putting them there. But Steelers are always number one for me. Browns seem like a different team every week lately. Yeah. So <laughs> that's its own thing. All right. So I, uh, I was cruising around. I found an article from the, the Baltimore Sun, I think. And it was talking about the the name of the Ravens. And it was like a 20 years. Ravens have been around for 20 years or something like that. And so they, they chose the Ravens. It was a pretty popular choice. Obviously, Baltimore has the ties to Edgar Allan Poe and his famous poem, The Raven. So that's where that comes from. And a lot of Baltimore fans that didn't even know that Edgar Allan Poe was from Baltimore, didn't know the poem. They liked it because he already had the Orioles. And so it was kind of, it worked with the bird theme. But let's say the Ravens weren't available. Let's say there was already a Ravens team. I want you to pick from a list of other names that were considered at one point or another during Baltimore getting a team back. So Baltimore Bombers, the Baltimore Marauders, the Americans, the Railers, the Steamers, the Mustangs, the Bulldogs, or the Rhinos? Which of those kind of jump out at you as being like, you know, go Rhinos? Well, first of all, I feel like the Bombers would have been, somebody would have been like, no, that's, that's like out of the question. That's like violent. Um, So apparently there's a big history, like naval history in Baltimore, and it comes from that. And actually, if this was the first time, this is what I read today. So it was the first time that Baltimore was trying to get their franchise back. So pre-Ravens, they they missed out. And uh, the the Oklahoma City bombing had just happened. Mm -hmm. And so that lost favor. But they had made these big, like, bomber planes during the war, then that was what that was going to be for, the the homage to that. And apparently the Marauders is the same theme. Uh, and then like to say to me like go marauders like you know. I, I agree that's a that's a terrible <laughs> mascot I'm, I'm glad you didn't um, pick, you're not gonna pick that one yeah uh let's see i remember bulldogs what was the last one so americans railers steamers oh. mustangs bulldogs and rhinos are the other names that were out at some point i like the rhinos just because i think it's funny and it's <laughs> different right yeah <laughs> I mean, I just think it's funny. Um, I feel like maybe Bulldogs would have been the best choice just because of the bees, I guess. And the the rest of the options just suck. Like, the, um, they, I agree that they're pretty rough. They're Apparently, like, they all had some level of interest at one point because of the different industries around the area. The Mustangs, because obviously the the uh you know rate the horse racing but right. because the colts left they felt like that was too much in line with that and then the bulldogs why that lost favor which i agree with you i, I think there should be a bulldogs but apparently uh and, and apparently uh um model liked the uh um reference to the canton bulldogs which which mm. were a really good team um in the 20s um I'm sad that i know that but uh bulldogs also like had a maybe a too much of a connotation with the Browns and their like dog pound. Right. And so they felt like that wasn't, they wanted to distance themselves from that. And so I like the rhinos too, because it's different. I would be very curious of what your colors would be if you were the rhinos. Yeah. But um, anyway, I just thought that was a random and fun I, question to you. I got to weigh in on railers and yeah. steamers. Cause either one, either one's just like not. you oh, name your terrible. team, the steamers. Like yeah. I know what You're they're going for. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Opposing fan Jokes bases. right itself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The opposing this fan bases are going to go off. On this them. worries me about like what the Washington football team is going to name 
their team if like these are the choices like <laughs> yes oh. i'm sure they'll go with some you know like the nationals and the, i'm sure they'll kind of do something yeah. like that just to kind of stick with that theme so um so one of my favorite hbo shows the wire was set in baltimore and so i want to ask you as someone who cheers for a baltimore team what was your favorite season or what do you think the best season of the wire is and or what your favorite character from that iconic show was First of all, Omar is the best character. Okay. Oh, how about if Omar isn't allowed to be the answer? Because that is like... I don't even okay. know. We stopped you. Know. All right. Yeah, it's, it's fine. It's Omar is Omar. Okay. Do you um, have strong feelings about the seasons? I like the first season. Yeah. Okay. I just feel like it's very raw. Um, and it's funny because like when... Like I don't live in Baltimore currently, but um, I went to college there and lived there like for years. But the first thing that I... Whenever I would go somewhere else and I would, the people would be like, where are you from? And I'd be like, oh, I live in Baltimore. And they'd be like, is it like the wire? Tell me. <laughs> and it's like, that's like the first thing that people say. It is linked to and that it, city, you, that, that show and that city, the bond between them. And there's plenty of other shows set in plenty of other cities. And, and some of them have a fairly strong connection, but it, it's not like that. That's it, it just like, if you were going to do a wire reboot, like you couldn't put it anywhere else, right? You can't right. do like the wire Kansas city. That's not going to like, nobody's going to watch that. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's one of those things. How do you feel about, this is the last one, the speed round, then we'll let you go. Lindsay. How do you feel about Baltimore introducing Omar's whistle as the like run out signal for the Ravens that they, that they started doing this year? So I, I really liked like the first, like the, the, that video, I'm sure you guys saw it, the first uh -huh. um, home game or whatever. That was really cool. Um, it really, I mean, if you, I, have you guys ever been to a Ravens game before? Mm -hmm. No. no. It's like they put so much work into like the visuals, like mm -hmm. they always have, like the, the pyros are always so good. The, um, all the work that they put into like their digital, like media, um the anything they show on the screen is just like so well done all the time and just to like tie that in it was it was suggested by a fan actually mm -hmm. um and um god i can't like i know the kid too i can't think of his name um but um the fact that they i'm a part of me makes me think that like they they had that inkling too, like they wanted to do it. I don't think they would have done it just if a fan says, Hey, you should do this. And like, it got a lot of retweets, like the Ravens, like that's not really their style, but um, it was cool that like they, but, but it made the fans feel included and that's what they really like to do best. Um, so, and it's just like, it's such like a, it's like going to a show like with the whole intro and then they do like the, running out of the tunnel and it's just like such a theatrical like performance and um i mean it was really cool back when like ray lewis was there because mm -hmm. that was a whole show in and of itself you know <laughs> but right. um but yeah what they what they do it's all very well done that's cool to hear that they invest really strongly in the game day experience i got to see the ravens week one uh for the you know the large public opening of allegiant in las vegas mm -hmm. and speaking of game day experiences they went all out and it was it was great it was a show there was three mini concerts um 
you know, Ice Cube played halftime. Steve Aoki was there. Like they, It's just one place to another. You kept looking around and it really did feel like an event, right? Mm-hmm. It was, it was definitely a football game turned out to be a great game over time, the whole bit, but you couldn't help, but feel like you were part of a thing. Right. Yeah. And it was, that was awesome. It was a lot of fun. Plus it, you know, great to see Lamar in person. He's, I think he's one of those athletes that if you like the NFL, I don't really care who your team is. You should, you should book a trip to go see him play some team when they come close to you because he's special. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're going to tell people I saw Lamar Jackson live. Like that's a thing. Lindsay, can't thank you enough for your time, for coming on, for telling us about the Ravens, for telling the fans of Bears over beers, what they should expect and look for as the Bears uh, face the Ravens this week to come back off the bye. So really appreciate it. Um, Tell fans where they can find your work and find you. Um, You can follow me on social media, Twitter, Instagram. Everything is the same at Lindsay OK. Um, You can find me at lindsayok.com. I talk about quarterbacks. And then I have a Patreon where I do my picks every week. um, And I have a lot of other different things there. So, yeah. Cool, Lindsay. Thank you so much. We appreciate the time. Thank you for having me. All right, EJ, we're back. So let's talk about the Bears specifically. I want to talk, of course, about Justin Fields because I just want to bask in the glow that is Justin Mm. Fields and Justin Fields pushing the ball down the field. It is working surprise surprise this is what we have been asking for since he took the reins here but can we just talk a little bit about what you've seen as a difference in justin fields over the last couple weeks pass protection Hmm. they have some now right uh the people i got asked this last night on a ravens preview show they're like well what's the difference between when he was getting massacred and when he's throwing downfield strikes i was like more than two seconds right no quarterback is going to succeed when they get less than two seconds from the snap before they are under pressure being moved off the spot or in some cases hit like that's extremely quick the fastest release in the league is about 2.3 to 2.6 seconds that's the fastest release in the league Justin was either getting contact or pressure under two seconds on like something like 60% of his snaps for the first two weeks. No one's going to succeed. I don't care what kind of athlete you are. I don't care what kind of processor you are. It's just not enough time to play quarterback in the NFL. He has a little bit of time. They've started to improve the protection. We've started to see uh, some more realistic protections. I'll say that less five man straight drops. Um, some help, some even what I would call exotic pass protection, pulling a tight end from the other side, basically a pulling tight end to come catch a rusher, an edge rusher off the other side. And Justin is smart enough and he understands those things. He understands where his help is going to be when he's going to get help. And he's been maximizing that. He works well in the pocket. He obviously works well outside of the pocket. Fans have been clamoring for the entire season. Hey, roll him out, get him on the boot. They know he throws well on the run. His arm is obviously amazing, but he's getting enough time to set and throw now, and that makes him dangerous. I don't care. In the pocket, out of the pocket, he has both of those skill sets, and he's an excellent downfield thrower. He's top three in the league over the last three weeks of 20-plus yard throws, right? And that's among all quarterbacks, not among rookies. Sure. Like Now that he's getting a chance to breathe, you're seeing what he's good at, which is give me – Give me three seconds and I'll find a guy and hurt you. But we just didn't see that early on. 
Yeah, you're, I mean, like, you're, you're right. give me three seconds is the version of, like, Gale Sayers. Like, give me 18 inches and, and, and I'm gone. Right? Same thing. And, you know, this week has been a week where it's been dominated by, I don't know if it's Patriots fans or if it's what it is, but Mac Jones backers taking victory laps about, well, Mac Jones, he's, isn't he the best quarterback of the bunch? And it's like, let's maybe – he's doing well. But let's maybe slow the roll on victory laps on judging rookie quarterbacks because you have circumstances. You have the fact that Justin Fields did not get number one reps in the preseason and in camp. And then he came in, you know, early in the year. He's behind an offensive line that has been, you know, bottom three unit in the league. And that's probably being serviceable. They might be the worst in the league at some points. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence, he's dealing with his own issues in Jacksonville. Like, obviously, uh, Zach Wilson under the Jets might be the worst (laughs) situation of them all. I don't know. But it takes time to uh, really evaluate these guys. And Mac Jones really landed in a great situation. Mm -hmm. He now has an offensive line that has really come together over the last few weeks. And in the return of Trent Brown, at right tackle, boy, that sure makes that offensive line look just that much better. And so he's in a really good situation and he's playing well to what he does well, because that's a smart coaching staff that has put him in a position to succeed. Mm -hmm. Surprise, surprise, Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels has done a good a job of, of coaching up Mac Jones. But we need to see more. You need quarterback value, all rookie evaluations or young player evaluations are going to take a couple of years. But what we're seeing out of Justin Fields is that week to week development. And we are starting to see the things that we thought he'd be really good at, like you mentioned throwing the ball down the field, being able to get him out on the pocket and move. He's starting to use his legs a little more. So I, I think that the like, we need to pump the brakes a little bit on rookie evaluations. I I think in general, you're correct. Pumping the brakes on rookie evaluations or taking them as what they are, as a piece of an overall thing that you're going to build over two or three years is fine. I'm also going to jump on the other side of that argument and say, I'm all for Mac Jones backers taking victory laps. They should. He did land in the best spot. Absolutely. In terms of fit to an offense and an understanding of a team of what he can do and, you know, quite frankly, Josh McDaniels maximizing those strengths. That's what you want to see. You think it's the most logical things for teams to do a lot less of them than you think actually do it. They're doing that for him and not because, but, and he's playing extremely well in that system. He played at an extremely high level because a coach can sit on the sideline and say, this is what I think you can do. This is what I want you to do. This is how we're going to execute that. You still got to go out on the field and do that. And Mac executed an extremely high level last week. So anybody that wants to take a victory lap on Mac Jones playing extremely well, easily the best of the rookie quarterbacks at this point, go for it because he is, and it is absolutely clear. He has five games with a rating over hundred. All the other quarterbacks combined? Zero. Zero. Yeah. So it's a combination of, yes, absolutely the best landing spot, and that makes a huge difference. However, he is also executing at an extremely high level. And the biggest point is for now, right? You want to say he's the best quarterback. It's way too early to put that stake in the ground 
because three years from now that may look very different. But take your victory lap on Mac Jones. I'm taking mine because I said he would be good at this. And one of the places we said he would be best if he landed was the Patriots because we're like, he fits what they need from their system. Sure enough, he landed there. Everybody's done their job on both sides, and he's playing extremely well for a rookie quarterback for now. And I don't think he's going to drop off, but I think some other people, Trevor, Justin, most notably, have a chance, if their situation improves, to eventually ascend, fight for that top spot, and win it two or three years from now as the most talented or the best. And you need to be careful about how you label them. But certainly in that conversation, if their situations improve. Because Trevor's terrible and Justin's was really bad to start. It's okay if multiple quarterbacks out of the same class end up doing well and are good professional quarterbacks. You Wait, don't what? have to have only don't one. Don't you read Twitter? This isn't Hunger Games, <laughs> right? Binary. You can have more than one winner here. Oh, and and, that, and that's what drives me nuts is like we're, we so want to jump to the final answer of picking something that doesn't need a final answer. Mac Jones could be a very nice quarterback that plays for a long period of time in a good system. And he's, he's, incredibly accurate and he's really smart and he's tough that's a good combination that'll get you a number of years in this league does he have the arm talent that justin fields has absolutely not does he have the arm talent that trevor lawrence has absolutely not that's okay you can still be successful particularly if you have a good coaching staff and you have a good team these other guys have higher ceilings it just may take longer for them to get to them and that's fine and they that's may the point. or may not and that's, that's and that's the we, risk you know, that's the gamble we have seen, you know, the, the path to quarterback greatness is littered with so many people that had a lot of talent, either didn't know how to maximize it themselves or landed in situations that constantly worked against them. And we never got to see them maximize that talent. That's a shame, but it is not uncommon. It is the most common thing that happens to quarterbacks. So it's really cool to see Mac Jones in a great situation, playing as well as he is and improving. He's taken deep shots in the last couple of weeks that have worked, right? Again, his arm is what I would call slightly better than average. Like it's it's in the midline. It's real close to the midline, but it's just a tick above that. Like it is a serviceable NFL arm, and you could win a lot of games with that. He's in the right situation. He's maximizing that for right now, and that's great. I'm with you. We can have multiple excellent quarterbacks, and wouldn't it be cool as football fans if we did? Now, if a guy like Trevor or if a guy like Justin gets to a situation, whether it's in their current teams, hopefully with Justin Fields, it's his lifetime team. You know, maybe the coaching staff in Jacksonville gets cleaned out in the next couple of years and he gets somebody that understands what he does really well, puts him in the same kind of spot Mac Jones has been put in in New England. We'll see production out of him because he, before he got hurt and he's dinged at this point, he's still playing, but. Before he got hurt, he had a couple of plays every game, just like Justin did, where you went, holy, like, look at that. And we know that he's smart. We know that he works hard. We know he's extremely talented physically. He's in a terrible situation. Like, Jacksonville is basically, you know, DJ Chark got hurt, and they just chucked the rest of their receiving core. I looked, somebody was like, Jacksonville's receivers are terrible. And, like, last year, I loved their receiving core with young talent. I looked at it. Like Colin Johnson left. LaVisca Chenault's still there, but he's the only one. DJ Chark is hurt. They got Marvin Jones Jr., who is not playing at the level they hoped he would. And then it's like a bunch of guys. And 
it, their offensive line, not great. Common theme with young quarterbacks, the Jets, the Bears, the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? So when these guys' situations improve, we're going to see some amazing plays because we're already seeing them. It's just the lids on so tight with a bad situation. They don't get to breathe very much when we've seen it with Justin. It's a microcosm, right? The last two, three weeks, he gets to breathe a little bit and look out. Like if you're a defensive coordinator and Justin's on your schedule right now, after the Steelers game, you're saying, man, I wish we got him in the first half of the year. Right. Like I don't want to play him now because he could blow our doors off by himself. Yeah, he gets to take a breath with the bye week. You get a couple weeks to prepare. Um, they've got a couple games coming up real real close together, so it could be interesting to see what he does coming out of this. But I want to talk about Tevin Jenkins real quick because the Bears activated him uh, from the IR, so they have like a window to activate him to the active roster, a 21-day window or something like that. So he's back to practice. That's the point. And if he is able to come back, that is not a given, but they, you know, they wouldn't have activated that window if they didn't want to at least see if he could, he could come back to the active roster. If he's able to come back, obviously, you know, he missed camp. He missed all that time to develop, but let's just say hypothetically that he does, they do want to get him in the lineup because I don't think that's a given. I think a lot of people are like, plug him in, put him in. You know, I'm like, I don't know where he's at. I don't know if it's a good idea. Coaching staff will make that call. But let's say that he's in a good enough physical condition and far enough along mentally and with his physical health that they want to get him in and evaluate him. What do you make of the offensive line? How do you fit him in? Where do you fit him in? And where do you think that impacts his long-term spot going forward? It's a hell of a shame he doesn't play center. <laughs> well, well, Creed Humphrey is looking pretty dang good, by the way. I agree. Uh, but, but, I agree. Uh, I Every time I see a Creed Humphrey, I cry just a little tear for you yes. uh, and me too. This is a fascinating question. Had this conversation a couple times with people around the league this week who were asking me, hey, you're, you're Bears guy. Like, what are they going to do with Tevin Jenkins? And I was like, I don't know. Because there's at least three things at play here. And unless one of those changes uh, out of the Bears control, an injury or something like that, you're left with kind of a locked in puzzle where there's not a clear and immediate fit for Tevin Jenkins, which is a weird thing to say with a player that talented. Let's assume he's physically right and that he's strong in his mental reps and he is he feels ready to go. And the coaching staff feels the same way. You got Jason Peters. Jason Peters is not just arguably is your best lineman this year on the bears. Like that's not close. You don't really want to move him. You've got a rookie quarterback. He's protecting the blind side. He's doing it. Well, he's playing with authority. He's played himself into shape. You really don't want to mess with that. We've talked about that a lot on this show. Guys working in a spot, leave him there. Peters lifetime left tackle playing left tackle. Very well. Not terribly a surprise, but you just don't want to mess with that. So normally you'd say, hey, Tevin Jenkins was a right tackle in college, and the Bears have been terrible at right tackle this year. Generally, put him at right tackle. It seems like the easy answer. Uh, the old Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. Larry Borum came back two weeks ago and has looked surprisingly solid at right tackle. Right? Has average grades, and that's so far and above what the Bears have been producing out of the right tackle spot this year that you kind of say the same thing, although it's a completely different situation, Larry Borum to Jason Peters. You say, hey, the guy's working in the spot, and it's actually working. That's probably his long-term spot. 
do we want to mess with it? And the answer is, are you sure that Tevin Jenkins is ready to go? And do you think you're going to play him at right? Because he said, and this is just, this is the third thing, right? Is Tevin Jenkins came out this week and who knows, you know, he might feel like he has to say whatever to try and get on the field. He said, no, I actually, at this point, because of taking all the mental reps there and really been focusing on it, I actually feel more comfortable at left tackle than I do at right. Oh, really? <laughs> That's just one more sort of chaos chip thrown in the hat. And, you know, people say, well, put him at guard, you know, just until a tackle spot comes open, replace Cody Whitehair because Cody's been playing lousy this year. And again, I don't think Tevin Jenkins has any experience at center. Don't know if he can snap. Sam Mustafer would be the first guy I would replace out of the line, but Cody would be a very close second. And that's a weird thing to say. I think James Daniels is playing well, has potential a young player, and again, is settled into his guard spot. You don't really want to root him out of there. So the answer is maybe left guard, but do you really want to do that with a guy you're really sure and you have said repeatedly is going to play tackle? So it's there's no obvious answer and unless something happens and, you know, Larry Borum turns an ankle or Jason Peters, you know, sort of gets gassed and they're out of playoff contention, they go, okay, we're going to, we're going to play the rookie. Unless something like that happens. I don't think there's a clear shot here. What do you think? I don't think there's an obvious answer. I think you can kind of play with the pieces multiple ways. And and I think that the last couple of weeks, the line has looked a little bit more stable. And so that you have to kind of take that under consideration too, because you don't want to necessarily expose Justin Fields to unneeded hits. He's already taken enough as it is. And so you have to kind of think, okay, our status quo, is that something that we absolutely need to change to get this guy on the field to evaluate him or is it better just to kind of give him a redshirt year? I don't think that eight games at a guard position or you put him on the left, so therefore you have to keep him on the left. I don't think there's enough there where you know you're you're developing muscle memory to the point where you can't flip them the other way. I think what's what's been interesting is that they drafted Borum and they drafted Jenkins and it kind of felt like they had two guys that were going to play the right side with with those with those uh draft picks but they said no 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 we're, we're putting Jenkins on the left and they you know they released Charles Leno and then uh then we heard like well Borum's going to play on the we, we kind of see him as a left tackle now and it's like <laughs> wait well, who is playing right tackle who are you going to put at right tackle and yeah. I just don't know like to me it's like well okay maybe you can make Borum on a left tackle but like does that mean that means you want Jenkins back at right tackle. So I've been really confused, but I, I think it's, um, you know, for me getting a guy in there to play guard fine. I don't know that you want to put two rookies next to each other. I think that's, that's potentially the issue. So if you wanted to put say Jenkins at right guard and Bor keep Borum at right tackle and slide Daniels down to center. I mean, that interests me because I do think Daniels can play center, but you know, you're putting two rookies right next to each other. And so that kind of causes some issues. If you put Jenkins at like, let's say left guard and either removed, um, removed Cody Whiter from the lineup or slid Whitehair to center to see if you can get an upgrade at the center position from that perspective, as we know that Whitehair can play center. Um, mm -hmm. So maybe you do that. And then you have the rookies separated by veterans. 
maybe that can work. That would probably where I would go where, and he could probably learn some things from, from Peters, but you know, guard and tackle are very different positions. You know, guard is a lot about understanding strength and leverage and the defensive linemen are in your chest right away. And, and that's, that's a very different experience than negotiating the space that is tackle because you're out on an Island. Maybe you get help from chips or from, from a tight end or whatever, but a lot of times you're you're negotiating that space with that that rusher that's coming at you, or even on run plays, you know, there's generally a little bit more space to to navigate, and so they're very different positions. I you know, always laugh when people are like, "Ah, just slide them in the guard," or "I oh, slide them out the tag." It's like eh, it's, 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 they're very they're, different skill sets. They're know? not <laughs> Legos. You can't just pick this one up and snap it down. And Some guys slide. can. Right. Some some guys are Very, just naturally talented and can play, you know, Marshall Yonda, who should be a Hall of Famer for the, for the Ravens. Right. He was an excellent guard and he was able to kick out the tackle and play quite well. That's not normal. That's a Hall of Fame player. Those are different level guys. Generally, the guys aren't built the same way, but you can maybe hide a guy as he's learning and, and he can give you some decent reps. But how are you evaluating him as a guard? in the off season just to get him on the field when you wanted to play tackle. Maybe that's not that useful, right? So maybe you're talking about a platoon system. That's not a thing that happens very often with offensive linemen. So I don't actually know what the right answer is. If it you feel like you're going to give yourself an upgrade by getting him in the lineup somewhere along the line, great. But it's not left tackle. That's your best lineman right now. You might as well just get the the, the reps out of Peters while he's there and, and protect Justin Fields. And not not hand that over to a rookie who didn't have a camp and you know isn't in game shape yet. So yeah. I'm I'm and kind it, of of the opinion of like just maybe just let him learn on the sideline for a while. Yeah, regardless of how they do it, one thing they should absolutely do is and and this came off Twitter this week was staple Borum and Jenkins to Peters. <laughs> like the, he doesn't yep. go to the bathroom without right. those two guys going. How are you doing that? Like they should pick up every drop of whatever Jason Peters is willing to, to feed them because it, he is playing extremely well. He's got a ton of experience. He's seen it all. He understands how to be a pro. Like they could just learn everything from him if he's willing to share. Some veterans aren't like I, I think Peters might be because he was on the street early in the season. Right. He might say, hey, you're a couple of talented guys. Do you want to you want to do well? do these things and they'd be smart to listen both of them uh, yeah. regardless that should happen but it is a it's a weird puzzle there is not a oh this is 90 percent the right answer uh you know mustafer out i think is good does white hair provide an upgrade i would say a little bit just based on experience but then you've got that whole guard tackle thing it's uh it's a puzzle wrapped in a riddle wrapped in an enigma it's it's not an easy thing to figure out Absolutely not. So I want to just talk about one last thing, and that is Mac and Jackson. Um, they are, I think they've proved just how important both of those guys are. I think they would be incredibly important to have against Lamar. We're recording this on Wednesday night. We don't know what that is. They did not practice on Wednesday. We don't know if they're going to come back at some point. I, I know that they didn't want to put Mac on IR because if they were hoping he could come back for this game. That was the, you know, he got the bye week. If you would have put him on IR, he would have had to have missed this week. So their hope was that he were going to get him back, but he's not on the practice field yet. So we don't know if he'll be back. And that's going to be a big deal against a guy like Lamar. So if the Bears defense is going to have success against this Ravens offense, I think it's all about Roquan Smith. This is going to be a pure 
Roquan, earn your first team all pro today because you are going to have to try to limit this incredible athlete on the other side. They're going to have to, Bears are going to have to play a little bit like the Dolphins did. Um, they going through the roster, it's amazing how many big guys are out, right? Jackson was out, Max been out for several weeks. Gibson, the safety, Gibson has missed time. Alec Ogletree, who's played really well as the second rangy linebacker, twisted an ankle. He was out. So it's that kind of baseball adage about being strong up the middle, right? Your, you know, your catcher, your second baseman, your center fielder, like up the middle, two-thirds of what makes the Bears or has made the Bears at least decent this year up the middle was not available last week, and it showed – um, and then you start to dig around as like, oh, why is this guy getting so many snaps? Oh, because, you know, Jeremiah Adaochu got hurt and they just don't have the rotation. They don't have the depth. And yeah, they've signed guys and brought guys up. It's not the same. Um, you know, Hicks is on a bit of a snap count. Angela Blackson's been playing pretty well. Bilal Nichols mm, doesn't seem like he's the player he was. Um, and then, you know, on the other end, Quinn goes off. He's healthy and and looks clearly like the best, I'll say, lineman, even though he doesn't play defensive line, according to the Bears. He's a, he's a rusher. But they're just like, oh, but then you got to make Robert Quinn play, I don't know, what, 30% more snaps than he normally does? Because it's just, you know, max out. Adaochu's out. Like, who's who are the other guys, right? So Travis Gibson's going to come in and get some of those reps, but Gibson himself was a rotational guy. Maybe you're aiming for, I don't know, ideally 30, maybe 40% of the snaps this year for him, and now that guy's playing 50 or 60 because he has to. Um, so it's just every level of the defense, the defensive line, the linebackers, because who, who are you going to bring in a linebacker? Not Trevathan in a passing offense, right? You don't want that matchup, so it's Kamara or whoever else they've signed, Christian Jones, like, ah, okay. Safety is like, oh, well, Jackson's out. Well, Gibson's, oh, Gibson's, Gibson, oh, it's you're down at DHC. The cornerbacks we're very familiar with, they didn't start with a ton of rotation. They have been, cross your fingers, fairly healthy because, again, they weren't great to start with. They couldn't suffer any injuries, but you just look at all three levels of the defense and you go, Man, they're playing. They didn't start out with a ton of stars in those places. The big stars have been the ones that have been hurt, and the backups, mm, not super inspiring. It's not like there's a stack of young guys there because Bears haven't uh, approached team building to build that stack of young, sort of developing talent where they can really go next man up. It's like plugins, right? It's like, well, we got to play somebody. So, uh, yeah, this guy off the practice squad that has a total of four <laughs> NFL starts, let's start him. And that's at every level. And you start to look at that and you're like, oh, no wonder the defense is basically in the bottom half of the 20s in any defensive ranking that matters. 20, you know, I think I saw one ranking that was 22nd or 23rd, but it's 25th, 28th, 26th. Like they're a terrible defense and they're severely undermanned due to injury right now because their very best player, Mac, has been out for mm, going on almost a month. Um, Jackson, who say what you want about his tackling, hasn't been great, but he's been the only other sort of capable pass defender and he's been out and all of a sudden you look at it and you're like, wow, this is, this really is kind of a no name defense and, and Chicago's not used to that either. So rough stretch. 
They definitely did that to themselves with over the years and not protecting their draft capital. So, um, yeah, if the Bears have any chance in this one, I think it comes down to Roquan Smith having just an out-of-body experience and being able to make some big <laughs> plays. Um, because, you know, I, I do believe in in his talent. I, you know, have from mm-hmm. the start, and I'm just really excited that he's having such a great year. Obviously, if the defense isn't very good, he may not get those postseason honors because a lot of times you need to have that reflected in in record and in defensive rankings and things like that. But I hope he's doing enough. And this could be one of those games against premier talent where he can kind of elevate himself and make that case. So um, for me, it's all about Justin Fields. And then, you know, you know, then it's about these other things. And the the other thing this week for me is, you know, can Roquan step up on this stage and and make big plays against a guy like Lamar, that's going to get him uh, on those highlight reels. So um, that that's what I'm looking for in this one too. So let's uh, let's talk about the drinks and and let's get out of here. So how was this uh, Hellas Lager that you pulled? I love it. I really San Juan Brewing is uh, San Juan Island Brewing is a recent discovery for me. I think last summer was the first summer I became aware that they were um, canning stuff. Everything I've had from them has been great. I have a double red IPA up in the uh, up in the garage, which is like eight percent. It's a basically a double IPA, but it has a really red character to it. You actually might like it because it's not super bitey. But everything I've had from San Juan is just really well crafted. I, I like the way their brewmaster thinks, um, and the Hellas is no exception. It's clean. If you if you understand Hellas as a style, it's clean. It's golden. It's drinkable. Definitely not what I would consider a winter beer, but. I, excellent example of the style could easily drop another one and i have one in the garage so i just might uh (laughs) no really good stuff can't recommend it highly enough i know they're not widely distributed because they're new and they're fairly small out of the pacific northwest but if you're if you're around these parts you see one absolutely try it if you like the style because you're probably going to be rewarded with a great beer drinking experience so the jefferson's ocean uh aged at sea so this is what I know about this. So it's this is Voyage 20, it says on the bottle. So they've been doing Ooh. this a while. I remember when they first started doing it, and I was like, ah, it sounds kind of gimmicky, and I didn't buy it. And then they just kept doing it. So obviously they've had some success. And the idea is that if it's slowly rocking, you know, with the wave action and it's sloshing around in the barrels, that you're gonna get more action of the the liquid bouncing up against the the charred. Um, staves and you're going to get a little bit more uh, flavor. It, it it had flavor. I I had I, I think I could taste a little bit of salt. Um, I'm not sure. I may have just like wanted that to happen, uh, but but it seemed like that was there. So that was interesting. I liked that. Um, that kind of had more of a scotch feel to me um, with, with that piece of it. Um, but you know, there's some good flavors there. Jefferson's kind of interesting. They're a newer distillery. Mm-hmm. Um, newer relative to just how long some of these other ones have been around. And I, I remember reading about them and their founder or distiller had said something like, well, basically when you're competing against these distilleries that have been around for you know hundreds of years, I had to just steal a name that uh, that that had some recognition, um, so that so that people would think I've been around for a while. Uh, so I, I've always kind of thought that that was kind of funny. It was just kind of a real honest moment. And I've had some some interesting stuff from them over the years. I think that their their base offering and and the the reserve offering are are pretty good and pretty solid bourbons at a pretty fair price. And so I, I generally have them in the house. Um, this is this is. Uh, 
it seemed I, I, I want to do it a side by side tasting because I don't know if it pulled more flavor in that I that maybe I was expecting, but I definitely felt like it tasted a little different. It had like that saltiness to it, but then um, I'm not really tasting like other notes uh, or stronger notes, but I'd have to kind of go back and compare them and see, see what's happening. So, Hey, side by side for science. You have to, if it's for science, you know, I'm in, if it's for science. So do it for science, JB, do it for science. I sure will. So if you're watching this on YouTube, thank you. Please hit subscribe and like, and, you know, comment. And, you know, we, we'd love to see that. And that's uh, obviously great support for us. If you're listening to this on your favorite podcast network, obviously check out the other great shows that are on this network. Bear with me with Robert Schmitz. Uh, we've got Bill Zimmerman. We've got Lester A. Wilfong Jr. We've got the review show, show that I do with Lester as well. Uh, make sure you're checking all those out on the channel. Um, but head on over to YouTube and check this out. And you know, We're putting almost all of these up on that channel. Um, other than that, anything that you want to cover before we get out of here? Yeah, we're doing a giveaway. We're going to start doing giveaways. So if you're a patron, we're going to start doing giveaways. What are we going to give away? Well, JB cleaned out his garage. I know that doesn't <laughs> sound exciting, but a longtime Bears fan has a lot of cool stuff. And if you're a patron, you are automatically entered in all those drawings. Right now, we have a very few number of patrons, so your chance to win is extremely good if you become a patron. Head on over to patreon.com, search Bears Over Beers. You can give as little as a dollar a month if you want to just to get on the rolls. And we will start doing some drawings because we got some cool Bears-related stuff, some other football-related stuff that's not necessarily Bears. We're going to start giving that stuff away um, and then shouting it out on Twitter. And if you want to be involved in that, head on over to Patreon, join the crowd, and we will go from there. Other than that, uh, it's a fairly regular week for me. I ended up being on a... Uh, Ravens preview show um, uh, with a guy that does Ravens film study, a uh, very detailed podcast that should be coming out the next day or two. Uh, had a lot of fun with Ken. So I will post that on Twitter. Uh, bootleg will be out. Er, my guess is first thing tomorrow morning. So before this podcast comes out, should be out on Thursday of this week. This one comes out on Friday and that's pretty much my week. Oh, well, we're going to do a live stream, but it'll be over by the time this one hits the airwaves. So uh, Brett and I are going to live stream the Thursday night game this week on kind of a whim, but I'll throw that up on Twitter. So hopefully you'll catch that. What do you got going on? Well, for me, I put out an article today on just breaking out with a visual oh, yeah. uh, QB rating. And then I have I did a I fell into a rabbit hole of doing Ooh. some QB rating stuff. So that'll be coming in a couple of weeks. I've already got I've already got the Lions week that one done. Um, so that's going to do it. I'm going to do another bricks thing with the lions this time. So it's a little bit better for bears fans to look at rather than that, the brick wall with the Packers. <laughs> and then um, I'm going to dive into some interesting stuff on the evolution of the quarterback rating over the years and how ratings have gone up mm. and what components of that has, have driven that. And, and I think I might even do even more of that where I maybe kind of go in and suggest how I would tweak the uh, quarterback rating formula. So oh, um, man. it's been fun. It's been fun to kind of do some dives like that. And I'm just trying to roll it out in a way that I think hopefully makes sense to people demystifies, uh, you know, what, what kind of, what is this number and why, why does it matter? And should I care about it from week to week or does this tell me the right thing? And then, you know, we're just going to try to play with those kinds of, those kinds of concepts throughout the year with this column and, and try to find ways to visualize it and see if we can find out some cool stuff. I'm excited. That one sounds fun. I I think 
whatever quarterback rating you're into, whether it's passer rating or QBR or, or any, any, uh, what I'll call hybrid statistic where several statistics are combined to give a rating or an overall, uh, digging into the pieces of that is something that not a lot of fans do. And a lot of fans reference those statistics without knowing what's behind them. So I'm, I'm super excited for that. But for now we've got bears versus Ravens this weekend. Uh, find your favorite TV. I, I did appreciate all the people that reached out on Twitter over the last couple of weeks um, and said, thank you to JB and EJ for giving me some reasonable expectations for the second half of the season and letting me know it was okay to turn it off. If I was getting frustrated, we had, I don't know, four or five tweets to that effect. And I, I thought that was really gratifying, right? I, we're not mm -hmm. going to tell you how to fan. We're going to give you some options in case it's not feeling like a super beneficial relationship for you uh, for the rest of the season. And it was cool that that landed with folks. So thanks for listening. Thanks for shouting that out. If you have other suggestions for the show, always send it along. We're always interested in fan concepts cool to hear that uh, the omar's whistle thing with the ravens was a fan concept um so feel free shout out us on twitter shout out us on windy city gridiron uh keep listening and thanks for showing up bear down